Good morning, Mission View. It's great to be with you this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, what a great day to celebrate mom. So special shout out to my mom um, in Dayton, Ohio, Miamisburg, Ohio. Love you, mom. And uh, can't wait to see you soon. And to my wife, who's an amazing wife and even more amazing mother to our three children. Janelle, I love you. You're amazing. And I'm so blessed that you are my wife and the mother of my children. So love you. And all the mothers out there, have a great Mother's Day today. Hope you feel honored and treasured as moms today. In fact, we're going to be talking today about what it means to honor. But not moms. We're going to be talking about honoring God. We've been in a new series called How To's from Malachi. As I've been reading through this, though, and studying this, I think I could have named this How Not To. As we look into Malachi and the word the prophet gives to God's people, he's telling them all these terrible things that they're doing. So really what we've been doing is looking at how God's people, Israel, have kind of misplaced their treasures. They've misplaced these things and, and moved God from, from the throne of their hearts and placed other things there. So uh, it could have been named how not to, but we're looking at how they've done things wrong and trying to do the right thing in God's eyes. So today we're going to be talking about how to honor God. And, and really what we're going to be looking at is how Israel, or God's people at this time, were not honoring the Lord. So Anyways, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Malachi. I'll give you a minute. Maybe you don't have it with you. You can go grab it in your house somewhere or open your iPad. You know, turn your iPad on and find Malachi really quick. Last week, we were in chapter 1, and we did kind of a bird's eye view of chapter 1 in Malachi. Um, and we talked about how to love. And, you know, Malachi starts out with this really promising statement from the Lord, and it says, I have loved you, says the Lord. And um, what we found out is, is that uh, God's love is faithful, that God is faithful. And, and to, for us, that is amazing, right? Like the Israelites, we talked about this last week, that their, their whole you know, lives, they would go after God for a time and, and then they'd turn their backs on God. They would, they would follow God when God disciplined them or pointed them in the right direction, but it would only last for a short season. Then they would turn their back on God. And, and we see that Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi comes this one last time and then there's 400 silent years, but he's, he's, he's calling God's people back into covenant, into that promise they had made with the Lord that they would live up to what they they said so what we get out of that is that God is so faithful he's amazingly faithful even when his people aren't faithful I don't know about you but for me that is huge that is a big deal because I mess up man I you know I don't do things right all the time and and I need God's grace redemption and and forgiveness. So, so it's just a really encouraging thing as we took that bird's eye view and talked about the love of God, the faithfulness of God. This week, what I want to do is look at chapter 1, verses 6 through 14, and go deeper into what really God is getting at. As he's loved his people, he's calling them back to himself. What is he really getting at? He had some key words he talked about last week as we were reading through chapter 1, specifically 6 through 14. And, and some of those words were honor. And then he refers to himself as the Lord of hosts over and over again. He's, he's painting this picture of himself as King of kings and Lord of lords and, and drawing his people back to say, listen, 
listen, this is who I am. I am faithful. I have loved you. Over the years, over the centuries, I have loved you and been faithful to the promise, to the covenant that I made with you. I am all-powerful, all-knowing. I am your God. Don't forget that. So, so there's some really cool things that I'm excited to talk to you about today. And I, I think it, as we look at this and we see kind of the mistakes that the priests and the Israelites were making, uh, we can avoid some of these things and we can put some of these, uh, some things opposite of what they did into practice in our lives and see some real fruit from it. So I'm excited to share this with you today. Let's pray before we read God's word together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We, we just recognize that your word is truth, that you are truth. And Father, as we open your word today, I pray that your spirit would open our minds and our eyes to see the truth in your word. Not just see it, but empower us to put it into practice in our lives so that you would be glorified and we would be changed. We give you all the glory and honor and praise and we thank you for the many blessings that you've poured out on our lives. One of those great blessings has been our mothers, that the life that they've given us. So we thank you for moms today. I pray that you would bless moms where they're at right now, God. That you would meet with them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Malachi chapter 1. We're going to pick it back up in verse 6. This will sound familiar because we talked about it last week. We're going to go a little deeper into it this week, though. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? You might want to underline that, circle that little phrase. Where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? You might want to circle that one too. Two things. He's saying, where is this? You know, if I am Lord, if I am your father, if I am your master, where is my honor? Where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show, fa- show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Notice how he says this, Lord of hosts, over and over again. He's really painting that picture of who he is. And I will not accept an offering from your hand. Now in verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered in my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord was blemished. For I am a great king, 
says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. All right, a ton of stuff going on here, powerful things. Uh, almost reminds me in the book of Job when, you know, when Job finally comes to the Lord, he's, he's like, why have you done this to me? You know, who are you? I thought you loved me. You know, why have you let this? And then God responds to Job after all that terrible things that have happened to him. He's kind of come to his wits end and, and just, you know, shakes his fists at the heavens. God goes on this long diatribe of chapters worth of his glory and his greatness and his his power and his sovereignty and, and just how he's created all things. And it's, it's this amazing, beautiful picture. I, I kind of get that feel from God right here. Like, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And I love you. And he says, it says at the very beginning, I've loved you, but here's who I am, this power thing, this amazing thing. So we're going to be talking about honor and why we should honor God and how we honor God. So let's talk about what honor is here. The Hebrew word for honor, kabod, also means glory. This this idea of splendor, majesty. So this is a really cool thing. So God is saying, why don't you honor me? Do you not recognize my glory? Glory in the realization of his power, majesty, authority, and sovereignty. God is to be honored. His glory, majesty, power is to be recognized. Look at verse 6. A son honors his father and his servant, his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts? O priest who despise my name. Now the word fear here can be translated as respect. Respect. When we grasp the idea of God's glory, this fear or, or respect should be our response. I, it makes me think about like standing at the, the, the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? You, if, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, I've never been there. I want to go there so bad. But you see these pictures and these guys with these uh, GoPros, you know, that they wear. And they'll go stand like right on the edge of it, looking over it. Even watching the videos, I get like, you know, dizzy. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying, right? Or, or you watch those, those daredevil type guys that wear the GoPros and they'll, they'll go up on the, the, um, the sky rises that aren't finished yet and they'll walk out on those beams. Or maybe you've seen that, that famous old picture of the New York sky rises being built and the guys, it's a black and white photo and the guys are sitting there on the, on the, the posts and, and eating their lunch. You know, it, it, it's just it's terrifying. It's terrifying. There's this, this awe, this sense of awe as we, we look at creation that, that reveal and show us the power and majesty of God, right? As we look into the heavens at night, we see galaxies as we look through telescopes and the Hubble telescope shows us all these different things that our creator made with just the words of his mouth. This sense of respect and all who God is. Who is he? I love how, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, but C.S. Lewis wrote these books. It's a great picture uh, of, of God in this book. And there's this lion named Aslan. And these kids, you know, they, they go through the wardrobe. They find this place called Narnia. And there's this lion there, right? He's massive. He's huge. And, you know, he's kind of scary. And, and they're talking about Aslan, this lion. And they say, well, is he safe? And and they're like, oh, no, absolutely not. 
but he's good. There was this sense of, of respect or, or awe. I love how C.S. Lewis captured that in that story. We get the sense that God sees here in Malachi the lack of respect, the lack of reverence, a lack of thankfulness, honor, and recognition of his glory and grace and faithfulness. He says in the beginning, I have loved you. Look at the faithfulness. Look at all these things. Don't you remember? Don't you remember what I've done? Think about that for just a second. I, I don't know about you, but as I go through life and I think about these things, you know, whether it be coronavirus or, or whatever struggle I may be facing, I have a tendency to forget God's faithfulness. I mean, and his power. I, I look at my life and I, I know I've made all these different mistakes and there's nothing I've done that warranted, warranted any of God's favor or mercy or grace in my life. But he miraculously, supernaturally stepped in and did it anyways. And then I look at as I've given my life to Christ and purposed my heart to follow him, I see his faithfulness you know, in, in everything, in, in the struggles that I've had, in the victories that I've had in my life, I can look back over the years and see God's faithfulness, God's love that just never, ever fails me. But I get into a season like we're in right now and coronavirus or whatever, and I'm sitting at home and I'm just like, Conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory and fear after fear and video after video. I'm just like, Jesus, come now, because this is just a mess, right? But God is faithful. How can I not trust him? How, how can I not look back and, and, and hear his voice saying, I have loved you. I've proven it over and over and over again. I have loved you. This coronavirus thing is going to be gone. And God will still be God. And God will still be faithful. Look to him. Trust in him, church. Trust in Jesus. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is everything that we need. And, and that's really what he's getting at as he's talking to the priests and the Israelites at this time. Is you just don't get it. You've forgotten. You have forgotten who I am. You have forgotten my glory. So God has seen that, that lack of respect and honor, and he says, you are supposed to give it to me. I, I want that honor and that glory. God, here's another thing we get out of this, is that God is all about his glory. God is all about his glory. Did you know that you were created to glorify God? That you were created to glorify God. Now, you may be listening to this, hearing that for the first time. You're thinking, wow, that, 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 that sounds kind of selfish. I mean, that, that sounds kind of prideful that like God's all about his glory, that he created me, that I would glorify him. It's all about God, 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 this, that. Yes, it is. It is all about him and his glory. Now, let's, let's jump into this a little bit. I think this is really, really important for us to kind of wrap our minds around a little bit. When we look at our lives and, and we desire glory and, and we are selfish and we're looking to lift ourselves up, it is sinful. It is selfish and it is sinful. When God desires to be lifted up, worshipped, and glorified, it is righteous 
not sinful. Here's why. We are not God. We work out of questionable, if not sinful, motives. God does not. God is perfect. God is perfect in thought and deed. God stands outside of time, divine. Every, everything he does is perfect, righteous, and true. Every thought that he has is perfect, righteous, and true. So when God seeks worship and God seeks worshipers and God seeks honor and God seeks glory, it is because he is the only one worthy of it. He is the only one worthy of it of it. So when he seeks it, he is seeking righteousness. It is an act of righteousness that he calls people to worship and glorify him because he is perfect and set apart and so different than humanity. There is no sinful motive behind any type of thing. So pride in God is righteous and glorious and good because God is separate, different, The Bible says that God is a jealous God, that he's after our worship, he's after our hearts. And Oprah said, who would want to follow a jealous God? That is only a question asked out of of a lack of understanding of who God is and who man is. God is jealous, but not in the sense like we are jealous. It's mind-boggling to me that, that we bring God down to where we are and we try and lift ourselves up to where God is and try and make sense of a, a divine, all-knowing being through comparison with the fragility of humanity. It, it's just silly. God is not some angry, jealous teenager raging out because his girlfriend found somebody else. That is not who God is. I mean, man likes to paint a picture of God that way because it brings God down and it lifts man up. But that's not who God is. God's jealousy is righteousness because he is perfect and set apart. And he's not like us in that sense. God is our creator. He created you. In your mother's womb, he formed you. And he knows what's best for us. He's perfect, righteous, loving, kind, generous, gracious, peaceful, provides for us, protects us, redeems us. Anything he does or asks for is just right and true. Even his motives are perfect, righteous, just, and true. When we see these things in Scripture like Where is my honor? Where is my fear? We have to recognize this is not a human being saying them out of silly, sinful rage, but a divine creator saying them out of loving, gracious redemption. I hope you're tracking with me on that. Let me say this again. This is really important. When we see these things in Scripture, like where is my honor, where is my fear, we have to recognize this is not a human being saying them out of silly, sinful 
rage, but a divine creator saying them out of loving, gracious redemption. So, so how, do we, how do we honor God in the way that he calls us to? How, how do we respect or fear God in the way that, that he calls us to? I, mean, I want to talk about three ways that we can honor or fear the Lord. The first one is this. It's the first fill in your notes. This it says this. We honor God by putting him first in all things. I think this is where, I, I think this is where they just really messed it up, right? They, I, I think that just over time, you know, they were, they were exiles out of their land. They were, you know, couldn't go back and build the temple for such a long time. like 70 years or so. And, and they were out of Jerusalem. And, and I just think over time, they, they just, they stopped putting God first in all things because they just, they just forgot about who he was. They, they just, or dismissed it or, oh, you know what? That's my grandparents' God. You know, they talked about him all the time, but he's not my God. I mean, look at us. We're in exile. This is terrible, you know. And, you know, I know there's prophecies about us going back and building the temple. And, okay, I guess that was fulfilled. And now the walls are being rebuilt. Oh, you know, all this stuff going on. I, I think they just, they forgot. They, they, they had a, they had just kind of glossed over everything that God had done, and they stopped putting him first in all things. So for, what's that look for, like for us? Well, first of all, it means it's not just on Sundays. <laughs> we, we can't put God first on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and then go out and live the rest of our lives. We, here's what I'm saying. We can't compartmentalize Christianity. Christianity isn't, isn't just something we do on Sunday, some Sunday mornings. Christianity is some, something we are. It is who we are. It's how we live. It's every day. It's 24-7, 365. Christianity, it transforms. Christ transforms who we are. It's not an idea about living. It's not this set of rules or a set of things we're supposed to do and not do. It's a relationship. It's an ongoing relationship with the creator God that loves us in his faith like we're talking about right here. It is a constant communion or constant conversation with a God who is active in our lives and in our hearts. That's what it means. It's putting him first in and Monday mornings, Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, not just Sunday mornings. It's putting him first when I go to work and, and talk to my coworkers. It's, it's putting him first when it's hard, hard week at work and I'm putting in 50, 60 hours. It's, it's putting him first when I'm exhausted and, and I'm, I'm just tired from the day and I get home and the kids are going crazy and my wife's exhausted and I just want to rest but I know that it's time to be dad I know that it's time to be a husband I, you know you know it's time to be a spouse it's in those times that we're we're tired we're hangry we're working through really hard things that we have to put God first don't compartmentalize your Christianity don't just just recognize God on Sunday mornings but recognize him all the week, all every day. You know, here's, here's one of the things is we value, respect, and honor that which we invest our time and money on. We value, respect, and honor that which we invest our time and our money on. Now, it would be really easy to invest, you know, our time and money on Sunday morning at, from 10 to 11.15-ish, right? But that's not relationship. Just think, of it, think about it this way for a second. What would your spouse say if you just said, you know what, it's great that we're married and all this other stuff, but um, 
how about we just really live that out, like being married? Let's just live that out on Wednesdays from 1 to 2. Is that good? We'll just go from there. and You know, that'll be our marriage. How long do you think the marriage would actually last, right? I mean, it would be, that's ridiculous. It'd be ridiculous. And it is ridiculous to think that we could be a Christian or, or have a relationship with the Lord for an hour, an hour a week. No, it is constant. It is ongoing. We need to put God first every day, every area, every aspect of our lives. Worship for the Israelites had become optional. Then it became obligatory. And then it became drudgery. At first, they would bring their best to worship. I mean, they brought the pure, spotless lamb. They set it aside from birth, man. This, this, was, this was their offering to an all-powerful, all-knowing, gracious, merciful God that loved them. But over time, they just brought an average one. And then over more time, they just brought the worst one. That's, that's the decline, that slow decline that we have to watch out for in our lives. Does, has worship become optional? I mean, is it just something, you know, it's optional and then it's just an obligation. Yeah, I gotta go, mom and dad, you know, if they don't see me there, I'll get a call, you know. And that's just drudgery. I'm going, I guess. I don't know why I'm even going. What does, where does that come from? How does, how do we get there? You know, how does it go from when we meet Christ and he changes our lives and, and, and we, our eyes are opened, our hearts are changed, and we see the glorious gift of grace from God in the person of Jesus Christ. And the reality of, of my life going that, that, that route to, to, to hell, to, to sin, and, and to all these things where my, the whole life was just falling apart and then God comes in and saves the day. And we're so thankful. How, how do we get from there to, I guess I'll go to church, out of this drudgery? We have to remember. We have to remember the work of God in our life. Is God, here's a question we need to ask ourselves, is God really my focus or am I more concerned with, you know, like the kids having fun or the coffee being really good or the band's going to play my favorite song or whatever? What, is, what, has, what has become the focus for our time? What does worship look like? Why do I come to worship? Is it to get what I get or, or, or what I feel? Is God really my focus? Here's something we really need, I, I have to say. It's really important. The Sunday gathering isn't for you. It is us coming together to honor and glorify God. The Sunday gathering, our, your time even right now on the internet, isn't for you. It is to honor and glorify God. When we make it about us, it becomes obligation 
and drudgery. We go from bringing our best to bringing average to bringing the worst of us. We go from praising God for the gathering to complaining about the song selection or to looking for another church that we can go complain about. What does worship mean for you? What's at the heart of Sunday gatherings, of Monday morning Bible studies and Tuesday morning time with the Lord, our prayer? What does it mean? What does it look like? What's the purpose? The second point, we honor God with our worship. We honor God with our worship. There's two parts of worship I want to talk about. And I've talked about them already, but I want to dive into it deeper, a little deeper about what he's talking about. In Romans 12, 1, the Bible says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, get this, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Now get this, it says, which is your spiritual worship. Out of Romans 12, 1, we get this idea that as we live our lives sacrificially for the Lord, now, Get this, as we live it sacrificially for the Lord, that is a spiritual act of worship. So our lives lived out in sacrifice for God is a form of worship to God. Now, so what does that mean? Living our lives as a living sacrifice. Well, sacrifice brings up the idea of pain. Sacrifice brings up the idea that I'm going to have to give something. I am going to have to sacrifice something. That I'm going to give something that that may be hard for me to give away. Living sacrifice. It is a life lived out separate for the Lord. Holy and pleasing to God. Not because we're perfect, but because we're living out our life in faith, trusting in the work of Christ. That's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, as we, we go through life and we live our lives and we, we talk to people that, you know, don't know the Lord or we live out our lives as we go to work and out in the world, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. There's temptation around every corner. There's struggles that we have in our lives. That There's things that creep in that surprise us and are, are difficult. But it's a sacrifice. Worship, this lifestyle worship is is poured out for God, living sacrifice. Where's the good news in that? By the mercies of God. Listen to how he says that. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's the good news in this living sacrifice. Where do we find the mercies of God? By the mercies of God, he's saying, where do we find those mercies? This is a huge key for us. We find them at the cross. If we want to live a life that is holy and blameless in His sight, that is set apart, that is a living sacrifice, we find the mercies of God at the cross of Jesus Christ. We live our lives as living sacrifices because of and through the power of the cross. Christ died for you and me so that we could live out our lives sacrificially for Him, for the one who sacrificed himself for us. Now we live for him. When I think about how God saved me, why? Why would he save me? I was not worth saving. But he did because he's loving and gracious and kind and merciful. Thank you, Lord. What grace, what mercy this is. 
that God would sacrifice his only son for a sinner like me. And he sent his only son for you. That's how much God loves you. Remembering the mercies and grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. When I think about it that way, when I think about the the amazing grace of God, I think this, what can I do? God, what can I do? Or what should I do, Lord? I will do anything for you. Worship. Worship will not become stale at the foot of the cross. Worship will not become stale at the foot of the cross where I realize that it's my sin that held him there. It's in a song that we sing here. We live the gospel or good news. We live gospel-centered lives where the sacrifice Jesus made for you and me fuels our sacrificial living for him. Let's look at another form of worship that we see in Scripture, description for our worship that we see in Scripture. We find it in Ephesians 5, verse 18. I'll start halfway through verse 18. It says, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We see it again in Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We gather together to sing songs, encourage one another, submit to one another, and always give thanks to God. Worship is something we do together for God. For the Lord. This is honoring God. We obey His word and we come together in worship. We honor Him. And this is the worship gathering. Keeping our focus where it should be. Focusing our worship to the only one who is worthy. God is the only one worthy. Point number three in your notes is this. We honor God through reverence and humility. Through reverence and humility. Let's go back to our text in Malachi. We'll pick it up in verse 11. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it. You might want to underline snort, circle that. You may not want to do a word study on that. I'm just telling you. Says the Lord of hosts, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept it from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices the Lord that which is blemished. We can become accustomed or even lackadaisical in our gathering or worship together. This kind of a nonchalant attitude. Sometimes we forget we are coming together 
to celebrate and meet with the creator of the universe. Think about that for just a second. This worship gathering, even now, as you're sitting in your living room or family room, dining room or kitchen or bedroom, wherever you are, the reason that you got online today and opened up live stream or Facebook is because you want to meet with the creator of the universe. You want to meet with the one who created you. And God meets you when you come to him. He stands at the door knocking. He is not hiding from you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to talk to you through his word. And he is meeting with you right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is speaking to you through his word right now. We are desperate. We are desperate for this relationship with the King of Kings. And the funny thing is, is we give our lives to God and we become Christians and it just goes downhill from there because we just take it for granted. We forget what God has done. We forget who he is. And we come to church just kind of, you know, it's Sunday. Well, maybe I'll go next week, you know. We'll just show up. You know, I, I go to, it's once a month now, you know. It's when it works with my schedule, you know. I'm a busy guy. I mean, our family's busy. We got lots of stuff to do, you know. We'll always have time for church. Here's the reality. And this is something we, we really need to get. Is that our worship, our singing of songs, our gathering together in this pursuit of God, our opening His Word and, and, and looking for truth and, and that, that Holy Spirit-inspired impartation of truth that comes and changes us, all of that, all of that that we call worship, this living the Christian life as a whole, is completely and fully dependent on God being God to do that for us. It takes God to worship God. How can we do that? How can we purpose and walk through that with this lackadaisical, nonchalant attitude that we would come, you know, just whenever it works for me. I can't help but think that have we become, I mean, have we become like the Israelites? Are we bringing our second best? I mean, is worship really valuable to me? Or do I just give that lip service? I mean, in America today, I think, if I remember correctly, the average attendance on the weekends for the, the, the average churchgoer is like 1.6 times a month. It's just, you know, whatever. We just go and see our friends every once in a while. I like the donuts. Has it become that? I know that, sound, that may sound harsh or whatever, but I, I, as your pastor, I think we have to ask ourselves these questions. It's a real question you should sit down and talk to your spouse and family about. And it, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not lackadaisical. Maybe it's awesome and it's great. Maybe it's not. Maybe some priorities need to change. We have to, as we look into God's word, it reveals our hearts. It cuts, it cuts us, right? It cuts us to the Bible says it separates bone from marrow. I mean, that's pretty deep. So we have to ask ourselves these real questions. What, what does our worship look like? What does it look like right now?
Here's the thing. When God reveals himself, when God is faithful, as he always is faithful when we come to him, he also reveals our hearts. Where light invades, darkness flees. Every hidden corner in our hearts are revealed when God shows up. Now, I know that God is always with us. He never leaves us. But God is always working in and on us. He opens our eyes to different things all the time that he wants to grow us in and see us live out our mission for him in the best way possible. Humility and reverence come through revelation. Humility and reverence come through revelation. That God would reveal himself to you and me right now. That that has been my prayer all week as I've been working through this sermon. That God would reveal himself to you right now, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're standing. Right now. The glory of God. Let's look at it in our text today, right? He, I mean, he lays it out. I, lo- I, t- I alluded to that Job passage earlier because I, I felt like it got kind of that sense there. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. He's not, he's not saying, my name might be great. It may just happen. You know, if, if all, the, you know, all the planets align properly. No. He says it will happen. It's not up in the air. It's not the flip of a coin. This is what we know. God will reveal himself to you. It's not a question. It's not just wondering. He will. And he wants to. So that, I I think that's one of the the biggest things we can take out of this section of Scripture right now is that we need more of God's truth, more of who he is revealed to us by God himself. And that should be our prayer. So in closing, I, I want to give us three practical steps to grow in our relationship with the Lord. So here's the three things. I don't think these, I wrote these in your notes so you could actually write them down for yourselves. But the first one is this. Prayer and reading your Bible. That we would spend time, that we would be a praying church and a biblical church. People that that knew their way around this book. Now I think prayer and reading your Bible go hand in hand. I don't think you should ever pick up this book without praying as you're reading through it, right? And you know, I think that this book should inform our prayers as well. I think so prayer and, and our scriptures go hand in hand. But, but set aside time, not just on Sunday mornings, you know, dust this bad boy off, you know, throughout the week and get into God's word, that we would be praying and reading his word every day. The second one is weekly worship. I think we need to make Sunday mornings worship our gathering of the saints, as it says in Hebrews, that we would not forgo the gathering of the saints, that we need to make it a priority and, and you know what, parents, make church a priority for your kids. Your kids need to know that it, it's a family priority. 
That is an example that we are setting as moms and dads. It's important to go to church because God is worth it. What He is worth it. Number three, the last one is community groups or this, this Christian fellowship. Now, I know that um, over this COVID-19, this pandemic crisis, we have extended our community group uh, meeting times. That It's really the only gathering that, that we have uh, where we're coming together right now. I, I know it's past time for those groups to be closed down, but I just wanted to share with you that that is really important right now. As, as we're kind of limited in our gathering, hopefully not much longer. I'm praying that it's not much longer. But as we're limited in our gathering, we think it's really important that we, we find ways um, to gather together. And technology has given us that. So um, I know that life changes and there's things that, that you've planned that you're not able to do that, but some are. And I just want to encourage you, if you are still able to meet as a community group, that Christian fellowship is extremely valuable. We know that that is extremely valuable. I would encourage you to do that. But community groups, so it's prayer, reading your Bible, making our weekend gatherings, uh, the worship gatherings, a, a priority in our lives, and our community group gathering, Christian fellowship throughout the week, doing life together. So church, that's, that's God's word for us today here in Malachi chapter 1, 6 through 14. Um, I probably should have called it how not to, but uh, how to's from Malachi. This is how we honor the Lord. So um, I hope that, that God spoke to you through this. I trust that he has. I'm so thankful for God's word. Let's pray as we close today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are holy, that you are set apart, God, that you are powerful, that you are merciful, that you are just and kind and true, that you will work justice throughout uh, the world and that you will come and bring justice when your son comes and sets up shop on this earth, God. And I just thank you for who you are. We recognize your splendor, your honor, your majesty, and your glory right now. And we say, only you are worthy of our praise. So we worship you, God. God, help us to, to sit at the foot of the cross and realize the great mercies and grace we have from you through your son, Jesus Christ. May your Holy Spirit reveal that to us in deeper and more powerful ways as we pursue your righteousness and we pursue to worship you, not just on Sunday mornings, but with every day and every moment of our lives. God, use us up for your kingdom, for your glory, and for our good. We surrender to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Have a great rest of your week, and um, I'll be giving you an update on our plans um, to gather again at some point here in the near future, hopefully, on Thursday at 1 o'clock. Jesse's been doing uh, weekly worship times and some talks on Thursdays at noon, and we do a sermon recap on Mondays at noon. So if you're on Facebook or live stream or have availability to be on those at any of those times, we'd love to see you there. But if not, we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week.